Hello, my name is Charles Johnson, and this is the Alabama Entrepreneur Podcast. Alabama entrepreneurs telling their stories, giving us a better understanding of the small business experience. Emmanuel Edwards, owner and curator of The Goody Vault, a business that showcases vintage pieces from the 1920s to the 1990s. He has curated everything to provide his clients with the ultimate vintage experience. For more information, you can go to thegoodyvault.com. Emmanuel, how did you get involved in the vintage clothing business? We can go so many ways with this, but I'll give you the short end. Back in 2014, I really began to put unclaimed baggage a lot. Every Friday, I was like, there buying, looking for stuff, having a good time, finding treasures, you know, things that are worth a lot, but you get them at a steal. So I began doing that a lot. And over the years, I, you know, it started getting pretty serious. I started buying a lot of stuff. And I think the thrill of the hunt is just something that really got me hooked. So I kind of started with all kinds of stuff, watches, suitcases, shoes, everything. But as time went on, you know, some older clothes kind of go under the radar because people don't know about them, but they can be worth a lot. So I started dabbling with that and then uh, the game was over. So that's how it started. Now, having that ability to be able to go to somewhere so close to us, most people don't have an unclaimed baggage. Exactly. And having something like that, where you literally get stuff from all over the world, had to be pretty exciting to be able to try to find some items. No, very exciting. I mean, truthfully, you just, you never know what you're gonna find there. And I was there a lot and I knew what I was looking for. Didn't find it all the time, but when I found it, it was a good day. So a lot of good stuff still there. So what exactly is vintage clothing? I think the dictionary refers to vintage clothing as a garment that's 25 plus years old. For some people, that's like, whoa, that's not old, you know, but that's what the dictionary said. So I'm, I'm open to anything older than that, but I really want stuff between the 40s and 60s. I know I'm giving you more information than you asked for, but <laughs> that's what I like, 40s to 60s. No, and, the, and that's good because everybody that has a vintage line mm -hmm. focuses in on different areas. Yeah. So your areas are 40s to 60s. My favorite, yeah. But you're also very specific in what you're looking for in that era. So what do you look for? What are you looking for in your lines that you carry? The first thing I'm looking for is character. I want a piece that is that speaks to me. It's one of those things where I know it when I see it. You know, I can look through thousands of pieces, but you know the I know the pieces that really resonate with me when I see them. So they have to have character. They have to just be different. You know, I don't know, when you, when you feel the garment, when you look at it, Sometimes you smell it, you look at the tag, all the different textures, you know, it can get you, it gets me excited. So, so that's what I'm looking for because when someone comes in my shop, I want them to see something they've never seen before. Okay. And also you focus in on some specific things too, right? Like yes. for instance, sports. Militaria. Militaria. And workwear. And workwear. So, uh -huh. so three things 
that you really focus in on. Yeah. Is that what you try to stay in or do you go outside of that sometimes? I go outside of that. Um, I really want to keep the showroom floor balanced. I really want it to be a nice mix of things. But I'm open to it. I mean, if it's good, it's good and I'm going to get it. You know, that's just the way the game goes. But I'm pretty much pretty much open. It just has to be a good piece. You went to Oakwood. Yes. And then you were kind of going down a different path. Yes. Not really thinking about entrepreneurship at all. Not really. Not, not at that point. We'll get into it. Not, not really. You kind of grew up around entrepreneurship. Yes. Your family comes from a family of entrepreneurs. Yes. Yes. I think about, you know, I can't help but think about my mother and my father. They both. And even my brother. Um, my brother was a pretty influential person in my life because he's, for as long as I've known him, he's worked for himself. But especially my mother and father, my dad always would drop that bomb on me. Like, hey, think about something for yourself. And my mom, she was a beautician, so she was pretty much self-sufficient. So, I mean, you don't think about these things when you're growing up, but as you get older, you're like, wow. That was an example where I got to see someone using their skill to make a, a living, you know? So right before you opened this shop, mm -hmm. where did you work? I worked for the Department of the Army here in Redstone Arsenal. I started, actually started there. This is a great story. I started there in that office out of high school. And I, you know, God was good. I had a good relationship with my supervisor and I was invited back as an intern. And eventually through college, I got a government internship. So that opened the door for, for me to start a career in foreign military sales. So that was awesome. And then you kept advancing this career because then you got your MBA. Yes. And then you kind of had hopes of becoming a manager and kind of climbing up the ranks mm -hmm. through that career. And then something changed. <laughs> what made you decide to go down a different path? And you had this amazing job. And so leaving this amazing job, you know, going out on your own and trying to make your own income, mm -hmm. insurance, mm. retirement, all of these things, sometimes once you have a taste of a good job, yes. it makes it harder to leave. Very hard. So can you tell us how that transition happened? First thing, I, I don't know if I, we, we never talked about this, but I got a scholarship back in 2014. And through that scholarship, I had to express to the you know the people that were reviewing the applications an idea, business idea that also involved giving back and helping the community. And I think that really squeezed me a little bit and made me really think about you know possibly starting something and creating something because I had to write about it. And I really just took my time and wrote about something that I would love to do. And that was more, it was more of a community service oriented type of job, but you can do community service, doesn't matter, whatever you, whatever career you're in. But I guess the, what really started this whole thing was a friend of mine asking me like, you know, what my plan was. Like, you know, I know you're working here, having fun, but what's, what, what's your plan beyond the job? What are you doing? What are you creating? You know, what skills are you applying to, to something that you can create? Not your employer, what, what have you done? And that bugged me. That, I mean, it really messed me up. It really messed me up, man. You know, so you think about the scholarship, having a friend challenging like that, and also I studied business, 
and I thought I wanted to start something, but I didn't know how. To, I didn't really think about it. I had a good job, so have fun here. But that friend challenging me really, really like it bothered me because I didn't have a response for that. I wasn't doing anything beyond my regular job. I was like, oh, I finished my MBA. This is great. You know, I got an MBA. Sounds cool, but how are you applying that knowledge? You know, what are you doing? I would imagine that whenever you start to leave that career, mm. that you probably had a lot of naysayers, probably thinking, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You're crazy. You don't need to be doing this. And a lot of entrepreneurs get that. Yes. And, you know, maybe that's friends trying to protect you mm -hmm. or whatever. So how do you move on past that to keep going to create your business? So, yeah, that's a huge thing. You know, the people around you, even people you love, and they might not mean to be negative, but it's, it's tough when you, when you take that leap. And for me, like, first thing, I, I miss the check. I'm not going to lie. I miss that steady check. It's nice, but it also can make you complacent as well. You're relying on that and you don't really push as hard as you can. For the most part, I think you have to keep some things to yourself. That's what I had to do. And it's not that, you know, I didn't want to share with people about it, but it's, it's my baby. This is something close to me. This is like, you know, you're, you're, you're revealing your heart, something that's fragile. You don't want people to shoot this thing down. And guess what? You'll never do whatever it is you really want to do because you allowed someone else to attack that dream and now you're scared and now you have all these reservations based on someone else's perception of life and, and you. And they don't know you, you know what I mean? Like, so I really, I mean, a lot of people that I care about, even coworkers, I just couldn't tell everybody. I, I couldn't afford to risk this thing that's so precious to me, you know? You opened your business on April the 13th of 2018. Yes. What did you have to have in place for your store to open on that day that you considered that the first day of business? So I wasn't even thinking about an actual location, brick and mortar. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like online, you know, and I actually started on a website. It's called Grailed. It's like a menswear marketplace pretty much where you can trade, you can buy other clothing. I started selling on that one, on that, on that site. And I was selling all that unclean baggage stuff off of there. So that, that was kind of cool for me. So, I mean, really to get started, I just, I, I literally started Googling what I needed to, you know, create a legal entity. You know, in school, that's one thing we really don't go into depth on is like how to actually start a business and all the steps. You know, you learn a lot of general, general things, but not the specifics. How to go to the court, you know, all these, all these other things. How, to, how do you really get started? which can be crazy. So guess what? I went to Google, looked up some reputable sources and, and found, you know, started outlining the steps I need to take to really get this thing in motion. So I made a little to-do list and just literally went down the list. Having a to-do list is pretty important to keep moving forward. Yes. The other great thing about the internet is that you can Google, you know, Huntsville.gov mm -hmm. and it does kind of guide you on there on what to do and where to go. So that has made it easier, at least for the generations that have come up mm -hmm. with the internet. Everything's online now. So what licenses did you have to get? Well, I mean, you gotta get your business permit. You gotta get your, uh, I, I did, I filed for an LLC. You know, the tax stuff is a mess. So I'm still looking, I'm getting help with that. 
but um, just the general things to be to be you know business permit and I filed my legal entity my LLC so that got me started. Did you use a local attorney for the LLC? No, I didn't. I mean, I probably should have, but it's one of those things where you got to get the ball rolling. Right. Yeah, you got to get the ball rolling. You can fix it up as you go along, but stuff like that can hold you back. Sometimes you got to get the ball rolling. I mean, okay, I don't have money for an attorney. You know, I don't have money for an attorney right now, but I do have money to pay for a business license, you know? You know, I can do that. I can afford that, but I did it myself. Now, trying to sell things is a little trickier because you have the sales tax. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always have to make sure that you get that paid on time mm -hmm. or there's penalties with that. Did you have any troubles from the beginning with that? Um, that's, that's something I'm learning. I think the more I talk to other people, everybody's having, a, you know, that's a, that's a constant burden for everybody. So that's still being worked out. Did you get a loan to get started in business? No, no loan. I actually just saved as much as I could for my job, and I left out. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it really wasn't that much. But, you know, you, you got to hustle, man. I mean, people are doing this every day. Some people are really doing well. They're making it happen. Other people, they just say, hey, this is not for me anymore. I don't want to live with that regret. When you started, you were online, and were you using just an app Yes. to sell things? You didn't create a website in the beginning. No, I just I only used Grail at the, in the beginning. And then I, within, I think I worked on, I worked on that site for a while. I was, and I was trying to figure out what website provider would be the best for me. And that took a little while to kind of, figure that out and I, but I was selling stuff on Grail which was a lot of fun selling to people all around the US and the world and actually sold to one of the co-founders on there of that site so once I discovered that I was like you know what I think I got an eye I think um, I got something you know so I really started pushing harder and then months later I bumped into Shopify found out about Shopify and I opened up a site. I literally YouTube everything and did it myself. Now you are a curator. Yes. So, and because you have a good eye, I guess that's why you get to be the curator. What is a curator in the vintage business? Mm -hmm. And how come you have such a good eye? Is this something that you've studied or is it something that you've been born with? Both? I think it's a mixture of your, your upbringing. It's, it's who you are. Everything that's been in your environment, the things that have inspired you, you just absorb that over time and you get this you get this whole flavor about you. you know? So I, that's how I look at it. I like my eye. I like the stuff I pick out. And when I like it, they like it. So I think a curator, I look at a cur the, the word curator is an artist to me. You know, you're filtering everything through your lens and you're expressing things your way to create an experience. You know, you want to create an experience that's inspiring, that takes people to another world, you know? You really want to, to just transform somebody's whole mind when they see it. So the curators are artists. You paint that picture to really make people feel something when they look at it. So that's how I look at a curator. 
how many pieces of clothing did you have starting on April the 13th? Oh, goodness. It wasn't even that many pieces of clothing. I think it was suitcases, watches, socks. I don't know. I wouldn't say I had over 100 items at that point. Okay. Still, 100 items is a pretty substantial amount. You think about socks, it's easy though, right? I have right? like, like 20 pairs of socks. <laughs> yeah, right. But it, I mean, you know, you got you to start with something. So I, I didn't have much, but I had enough to get started. Stuff that I was buying since 2014. You know, some good pieces as well. So I had a few things. So you have found some good sources to find clothes. Mm -hmm. Do you have also a supplier? Is there a place that supplies these? Like, for instance, you know, a regular retail store, they have people that come in and kind of help them determine what they should get in the mm -hmm. line, how many pieces and sizes and all of that. Is there a place where you can go to to find vintage clothing and have you found one that's been trustworthy to help guide you through that too so vintage clothing is everywhere i don't have one specific supplier or anything because i mean there are rag houses which are places that sell secondhand clothing in mass quantity but you still have to go and pick out the good pieces buying in bulk is good and bad because you, you don't always get every every piece is not always a quality piece that you want you know i want the, i want the cream of the crop and i'm getting even more specific about that I'm, i know what i want and I'm, I'm not wasting my time with stuff that i don't want so i i literally buy from other vintage dealers i recently within within the last few days i went to a barn where we went through Oh my goodness, so much dirt and, and spiders, but I, you know, pull clothes out of there and I'm cleaning those clothes, soaking them now, getting them prepared for the showroom. So, I mean, clothing is everywhere. You can look in the trash can, you can probably find something, but do you know what it is or not? You know, is it worth, is it worth something? So it's really everywhere. I have people everywhere. We all, it's like a big community and I meet a lot of people and, and, you, you gotta, you know, once you meet different people that's in this world, you, you wanna make sure they know the kind of stuff you like and, and the stuff that they like, so that way you can help each other. Because I know what I want, and I know what I, when I see it, so they're like, hey Manny, this is something that you might like. I'm like, perfect, shoot me an offer, you know? And we'll go like that. You mentioned cleaning up these garments. Yes. What do you do to a piece before you resell it? It depends on what's really happening with the piece. Some people I buy from, they clean the garments and they take good care of it. It smells great. I'm not touching it. It's just ready. It's ready to go. Some stuff you get, you're like, man, where was this sitting? And where was it sitting? You know, it stinks. So oftentimes I have to wash them myself, soak them. Sometimes you just have to soak them to let time do its thing. It needs to be submersed for a while to get those, you know, smells out. And a lot of times I also repair the garments as well, which is something I recently learned because I couldn't outsource that. It would just cost way too much money. Some people are charging, well, I charge $30 an hour to repair a garment. So those rates can go up. Someone's working on a pair of pants, they need a lot of work. Now those jeans are $300 jeans, you know? <laughs> You know, it can get expensive. Now, you partner with people all across the country from California to Maine. Mm -hmm. 
How have you made these connections and how do you help each other to succeed? You know, it's, it's pretty easy to make, I feel like, to make connections with people. As long as you're being authentic about your intentions and who you are, you're not trying to be like somebody else, people can pick up on that and, they, and, and they'll they'll chat with you, you know? So I, I used to be shy, but I'm very, I'm very outgoing now. So I, I dive in with people. Hey, I like those shoes, I like that shirt. Now we're talking about clothes. So I, I reach out and sometimes my friends introduce me to people or if we have mutual friends, you know, we bump into each other. And now conversation's that much easier. So I, I do initiate a lot of it, a lot of the, the, the communication and contacts of people that I meet, but also just kind of being in the community, you know, you rub shoulders with people like, wow. And now we can figure out what each other's doing, you know, so it's a great, it's, I, I love it great people out here. And that's also another exciting thing about being an entrepreneur, I think, is just connections that you make with other people. Yes. When you go shopping and find these pieces, how do you know it's a good quality? How, it, do you look at the, the tag? Do you, you know, try to figure out the strength of the material? Mm -hmm. What is it that makes you know that that's a good vintage piece for you? I'm gonna say this first. The only way to really get this skill is to actually get dirty. And you gotta to touch garments. You gotta to touch them. You gotta feel them. You need to look at them. The, you know, the, the tactile, you gotta put your hands on these garments. That's the only way. But you know, sometimes you can, you can be fooled. You gotta look at the tag. I always tell people, look at the tag, look at the stitching, look at the zipper, look at, you know, the style of the garment, look at the colors, the fading. How's it worn? You know, it's a lot of things you can look at to kind of give you some hints. And if you don't know it all, ask somebody. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm a baby in this thing. I'm learning. I'm, you know, I'm learning. And I'm not afraid to ask somebody, hey, I need help. Here's a prime example. A guy reached out to me based on an Instagram post that I did in my shop. But he saw, so he saw a jacket in the background of the picture. Made an inquiry about the jacket. Purchased a jacket. I'm all excited. He got back to me after a conversation. He said, "Hey, man, you know, thanks for the jacket. Um, I looked at the pro I looked at the jacket, and I think he got the date wrong. So embarrassing. And I had to apologize because I it was not my intention. And then I discovered this guy is pretty well known in this world of vintage. I mean, he's he's a he's a big time. You know, very humble." But, you know, I, I, I really, it was a mistake, but he was kind with me and he said, hey, it's okay, how, how, did, how are you supposed to know? He's a zipper expert, by the way. So he said, I, you know, it's okay, don't stress it. You didn't know. But he said, you know, kind of use date ranges next time because it helps give you some room, you know, if you don't know. So, okay. you, have, so, you, so you, you can't be scared to reach out to somebody. You know, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Sorry, I don't know if you find somebody else. So it's important to do that. Well, and that's how you learn is by mm -hmm. asking. So it's so important because so many people feel like they need to already know the answers. Yes. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid to get started. You know, people that want to become entrepreneurs, they feel like maybe if they ask a question, maybe they should have known the answer already. Yes. And as they say, there's no dumb question. There's no dumb question. I mean, fear will paralyze you or just if you're scared to be embarrassed, all of these 
stupid things really that will keep you from a brighter future, more fulfillment, you know, growth as a person. Beyond the business and everything is growth as a person. You know, you really need to see, you really get to see what you're made of. Or are you too scared to just try? It's like the choice is yours. You recently moved locations. Mm -hmm. And now you are at a new place off of Governors. So how is that working for you? And what is the address of that particular location? It's working out well. We're, we're in a soft opening phase right now. The grand opening is actually scheduled for 18 September um, that evening. Please come if you're, if you're in town. <laughs> but that transition is going really well. I'm in there. It's actually Derek Rainey of Dapper Dude and myself. We're sharing that space together. And it, it's great right now just preparing the space, getting things ready. We're really excited because now, you know, coming from Quinroll Shops and Downtown Storage, Jefferson, off of Jefferson and Clinton, love that place. Absolutely. Dee Dee, David, everybody over there, I'm just, I'm grateful that that was my home, you know, to get started over there. And Mr. Johnson, the owner, he, he told me, he said, this is a start. Wow. Wow. You know what I mean? How inspiring is that? He said, this is a start here. Yeah. He said, many people have moved here, started businesses, and, they, and they've left. They've outgrown the space. And, I'm, and that was October 2019. I was thinking to myself, wow, that's big. Like, they're able to, like, man, to move out of here, you know? It's right. kind of it's kind of crazy how everything works out, but I, I will never forget those words, you know? And it goes back to our, you know, questions earlier, you know, about keeping that, you know, who do you tell? How do you, you got to keep some stuff to yourself, but there are individuals that you meet who will give you that, that, that push that you need, you know? So that was pivotal. So I had to say something about the beginning because I gradually grew in there. I had one, one unit, through to two units, three units. You know, we had more space now. And my clients, they know, they're like, they've watched the, they've watched the growth with me. So it's so rewarding to live in the moment, to see it, to have people remind you, remember how we started over there? You know, it was, it was just a great place. So anybody that's, in, that's listening, if, you're, if you need a space, if there is availability at downtown storage, do go there. Um, it's a big family, great people there. I love them. I'm happy that that was my starting point. And that's wonderful. And it's wonderful to be around people that may just be starting too. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of bounce ideas off each other. Yes. And when you're down one day because things weren't going exactly the way mm -hmm. you wanted them, people can bring you out of it and you can bring them out of it and keep exactly. moving forward. So having a network of those people, I think are so critical, especially in the beginning. Definitely. The Dapper Dude sells bow ties mm -hmm. and uh, some masks mm -hmm. and some other things. So why did you all think that this was going to be a good collaboration of space, if you will? So Derek, I've always admired him because, you know, he's a hard worker and he's been doing this for a while. We were all friends in there. And I, th I think what we, what we offer, it could blend a little easier. You know, he's more on the accessories and the styling. I'm, I'm straight into old clothes, pretty much, you know. 
So it's kind of easy to pair those two easily, you know? Right. It's, it's too easy. So it was one of those things where, you know, I wish I wish I could have worked with other people. It just, I wish I could have worked with other people and we could have had other people in there. But for right now, this works. And we got to give it a shot. I'm grateful for Derek's demeanor. We get along and we're, we're trying to work together to, you know, kind of cross audiences and everything. So, I mean, it's... You never know until you try. the the raw The raw materials look great, but we have so it's like, hey, let's give it a shot. And we haven't even opened yet, so this is something that we're both excited about. Seriously, it seems like you may have similar personalities, and that you're able to probably work together pretty easily because your personalities are pretty laid back. Maybe so. I mean, we're both kind of relaxed guys. Derek's pretty cool. He's laid back. Yeah, I'm a little more loud mouth sometimes, but <laughs> I, I think I think it's a good a good thing for both of us. And you know, like you, you learn from each other. Nobody, no one knows it all. Like Derek, I mean, he just recently helped me with getting a reel on Instagram. I was like, man, just kind of didn't feel like trying to learn how to do this thing right. He said, look, he knocked it out in a few minutes, you know, and the performance was good, and ultimately it's the sales. You, you gotta have people that you can help and you can help each other, you know? So I think it's been great, it's, it's great so far. And I, and I didn't answer your question earlier. Our address is 2801 Governor's Drive, right across uh, from the, it's a flag shop over there, Jeff White Studios, Green Pea Press, right off of Governor's. You'll see our sign out there. Okay, and I think that's wonderful. and. I'm excited for y'all because I know you're just going to blow it out of the park. And such a wonderful area over there now that's being created. Yes. Your website, have you changed your website around since the first website that you had? Yeah, it's constant tweaking, honestly. And I'm not all the way pleased with my site now. I you liked know, your site. I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. That means a lot because I did it myself, really. You know. Well, I mean, the pictures <laughs> are clear. You clearly know what you're getting and... I thought it was easy to maneuver around it. One thing that I had a question on is the part for virtual appointments. Yes. Did that come out of COVID? Yes. That's, I mean, really, I left my job because of COVID, you know. So I'm getting outside the question. But yes, that did come out of COVID. I just wanted to have that available for people that, hey, I want to see the showroom. I'm in... New Jersey, but I love to see the showroom and see what you have in there. I don't want to. I don't want to miss those opportunities to to get a new you know client. So I did want to make that available so they could at least experience the showroom a little bit. You know, when you have these appointments, mm -hmm. and I'm just trying to figure out how a virtual appointment works. So yeah, Facetime call. Hey, Facetime. Yeah, it's like, hey, what are you interested in? Well, I really want some jeans, and I really want these you know type of shirts okay i'm gonna show you some options and we'll see from there it, it was just something that i wanted to experiment with you know as a small business you have to constantly try new things see what works what doesn't work see what people really like and and run with it you know so you'll see more of this kind of stuff right well and i think it's interesting because you know these are things that we haven't seen so thinking outside the box, mm -hmm. I think, is really admirable on your part. Thank you. If you're in a virtual 
and someone comes into your store, how do you work that out? Well, things have changed drastically now because when I was in the, my prior location in Clinton Shops, everything had to be appointment-based because of the way I was situated there. I was in the basement. You know, the, the doors have codes on them. You can't just walk in. And I don't want to open it to, you know, I don't want to just, it was best to do it this way. So with that said, appointments were easy. You know, I could make my appointments, but I couldn't have walk-ins. Now, I'm still taking appointments. Some people like that one-on-one. They don't want other people to know they, you know, what, you know, what they're trying to discover in their style and everything. So it's open to everybody now. So appointments, I mean, I could just shake those around my hours of operation. You know, I'm, my hours of operation are 12 to 6, but I'm available before that. And sometimes later, depending on the need. So I can, you know, work people in. But right now, I don't want to, I don't want to disrupt hours of operation. When you're in the shop, I'm literally giving you my full attention. I, I want to focus on that. I don't want to, right now is not the time for virtual appointment. We can do that in the morning, you know. What? percentage comes from online sales versus in-store. Of course, this is going to be changing now because yeah. you have a whole new, not a whole new business concept, but it's different. But do you know what that is now? I'm, I'm going to give you a rough estimate. I would say, mercy, probably 80% is face-to-face. 80% face-to-face. Because yeah. uh, people, I guess, really kind of want to see it, feel it. And they like want it. your advice. It's nothing like it. My girlfriend used to tell me, she said, look, you are the goody log. You are the goody log. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, but now I'm like, I am the goody log. So face-to-face, and you got to see the garment. Some stuff you cannot appreciate unless you actually touch the fibers. You can actually see the quality. You know, and I got stories to go along with some of these pieces. So who doesn't want to hear a good story? Yeah, face-to-face, it's just something about, and then the experience. You're almost in a history class. Like I said, I want to show you things that you've never seen before in pieces. Wow. You learn about the garment. You learn about the usage. I mean, so many things that you can extract from the experience. It's it's too enticing not to want to visit the showroom. So, yeah, it's kind of taking taking, uh, the lead. What has it been like being an African-American doing a small business in Alabama? It's been great. You gotta have tough skin. Uh, to be honest, people from the outside, they might look at me, they, they don't know what to think sometimes. You know, Especially if I'm dressed in my clothes, they don't know what to think sometimes, but I know who I am, and it's a lot of other black business owners who are very supportive, who give good advice. For example, Derek, you know, Derek Ramey, being in there with him, you know, he's older than me, not by much. He's, he looks young anyway. But even someone like him who's been doing this for years now, you know, his, his, his mindset towards himself and his work, you know, it speaks for itself. And, and that's where color doesn't matter. It's like, what are you doing? Color should never matter. But, I mean, especially, I mean, what product are you producing? What, the quality, what, the experience. That speaks for everything. So, I mean, I, I feel good about it. Of course, there are, are challenges every day, but I don't really care. I know who I am, and I'm surrounding myself with people that are going to feed me and give me you know, that confidence that I need going forward. So, overall, I'm, I'm really grateful for 
the community. Yeah, man, I love being black. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm a black business owner. feels good to, to, to say that, you know, especially, you know, I think about my dad specifically who was born in the 40s. This was not something that was easy for him. He was never able to really start his business. So he reminds me a lot, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm living through you. Thank you for, you know, like, I'm proud of you for pushing forward and taking the risk. So that's really inspiring. So I want to talk about your Goody Initiative projects. Yes. I always think this is interesting because, you know, corporations have lots of money. <laughs> mm -hmm. They can do all these things that are amazing. And then, you know, on your website, I see these Goody Initiatives. And I'm thinking, how can you do so much good and be in a small business? So I'm just curious. Tell, tell us a little bit about the Goody Initiative. Well, I kind of lump that, that Goody Initiative just acts of service in my community and beyond. What good is the Goody Vault doing for the world? You got to give something. I think that's the way the universe is. You give, you receive. You know, you're supposed to be supposed to give something. Whether And it's not always money, you know, and I recently had to really, like, digest this whole thing about tithing. Tithing is not just money. Tithing is your time, you know, your your, your soul, how, how you deposit in people, you know what I mean? Right. You know, and spending time, you know, that stuff is powerful. Yeah. Everybody doesn't have money, but you have time. You can yeah. say something nice. You can build somebody up. You can help them with their resume. You can write somebody a nice letter. You know, it's so many other things to, to give back where you're not just limited by financial, you know, means. So the good initiatives is just... Goody all giving back to the community because I'm I'm a product of the community and people taking a chance on me, people encouraging me and helping me financially as well. For example, Horatio Alger, that organization has done a lot for me. And uh, they've they've I've been awarded over what over thirty thousand dollars towards my education because of people that are that want to see other people push forward go ahead accomplish things and become something so having that tied in my story i have to give back and and it's no it's, i don't think it's an excuse to, oh i can't do this we all can do something especially as a small business say you don't have the money you can give your time and that's and i know i keep harping on time but that's that's major who is miss mabel edwards that is my late mother. You're going to do a scholarship in her name. Mm -hmm. What is special about your mom? I think it's a blessing to experience a parent that loves you. Some people haven't had that, and I've, I've been fortunate to have that. I'm older, so I get to reflect on the younger person. And, you know, I can really see where my mother made sacrifices for me. And just, you know, just to do her. I, I know she was doing her best for our family. So so she's been very, she was, she was a very huge influence in my life, so super grateful for her example and like i said you know 
some parents, people don't have it all, but you have your time. You can say kind things. And my mother was, to have a parent that never gave up on you, a parent that actually loved you, that's something I can't take for granted and something that moves me to this day because a parent doesn't have to love you. They don't have to stick around you. And you think about how that will change someone, the course of someone's life. They never had a parent who loved them. You know, a lot of people are in some bad situations because they never had that love from a parent. So, so I'm just grateful for, you know, I miss her dearly. She passed when I was 13 from breast cancer. But I'm, I'm man, I try to really, I get, I get excited, like, man, it's such, it's such an experience to know my mom actually loved me. Because if she didn't love me, she would not have taken the time to to help to raise a kid, you know? She wouldn't, you know, it's, it's too much work, but super grateful for her. So you're creating a scholarship in her name. How do you set up a scholarship? I'm gonna be honest with you, Charles, I have no idea. I made a point to put that on the website because I've been involved in helping various organizations and you know donating, but I have not officially awarded a scholarship with my mother's name on it. I got to work that thing out, which I haven't done yet. But I'm doing other things with that inspiration behind me, which I think is incredible, you know? and I know that you'll get there. Yes, yeah. So I'm, I, I want to. Make, it's like a priority. I awarded it on, you know, put it on the website. It's coming soon, but I, I want to do this right when I award the first one. So I'm not sure. I do probably want to partner with some of the local HBCUs in town, Oakwood and Alabama A&M, to award it to, you know, somebody that's in, in, that, that has walked through the fire, you know? Somebody that kind of exemplifies hard work and just that perseverance despite the adversity that they've been through. You have a strong Christian faith. Having a strong Christian faith really helps you get through those difficult times, doesn't it? It does. How would you say that your faith has guided you in business? Well, first thing is, you know, being a Christian, you know, we fall down, but we get up. I don't get it right a lot, but I want to try to do things right, you know, by people, respect people and try to at least when they come to me, this is gonna be a place of refreshing. Salt of the earth, you know? I wanna I wanna be a light, you know, light on a hill, you know? So just you know, I really just think it's that simple. I'm excited, I feel good, I'm grateful for it. just being being grateful because things could be worse. Being grateful and why am I grateful? Because I'm alive. Thank God thank God I woke up today. So I'm trying to push that energy through the shop the people I meet where it's like, hey, it's a, it's a gratitude, it's a excitement about life, about the opportunities, about the future, you know, that anticipation for better things, for greater, you know, gratitude for the present moment, just a positivity. So I think my, my, my faith is just really trying to celebrate the blessings. The, the, the negative is all around. It's not going to stop. It's all around, you know. But at the same time, we got to try to strive to see the gems and the goodness in, in life. Yeah, my mom, I, I can't help but just talk about her because that's who raised me for the most of my life. You know, hearing your mom praying and testimonies. You know, you hear that. I've I hear, heard that stuff growing up. So you kind of learn 
that humility as far as being being able to say, God, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for food on the table, the car's running, you know, you got clothes. Because if you've seen the other side, which my mother did see the other side, you know, growing up in, you know, growing up in Chicago and, and really seeing the real world, it's hard times when you're inner city. The struggle of that experience, it really grinds people. I think that experience is probably one thing that really carried her through life, remembering how hard life can be at times. A favorite vintage piece. Oh my goodness. Man, I got a lot of them. I think right now it would probably be, it's a 1940s Fruit of the Loom work, work shirt that's a loop collar. It, I mean, it's just faded beyond belief. So whoever wore that garment, they actually worked in it. They were in the sun. They were they were working hard in it. And it's 1940s, it's gabardine. You feel it, you feel that thick material. It's soft, it's beautiful. So that's probably one of my favorite pieces right now. I think you kind of already mentioned this, but favorite era of fashion. Yeah, I love that 40s to 60s. It's just, yeah. It's pretty broad, but I just love the look. I mean, every, people actually like dressed up. People cared about how they looked. People took pride in that. And the, and the garments were of good quality. You know what I mean? They were built to last. People had, you know, people were coming from that depression mindset. You know, they were taking care of stuff. They were thinking about the future. I want to make this last, you know? So, I don't know. I, I like that kind of stuff. Chain stitched pocket tees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean to you? <laughs> it was a fun project. I'm always trying to experiment with new things. And the idea came to me, you know, to source some pocket tees, some vintage tees. And I collaborated with another small business, a guy, Ramel. He owns Tattooed Cloth in Brooklyn. Uh, he has really cool little business he's doing there, chain stitch and all kind of stuff. So got a got goodie chain stitch on it. Simple, different, and um, yeah, I'm just having fun with those. So I'm I, I want people I want Huntsville to be wearing goodie. I want goodie all around here. You know. What is success for you? Success for me is taking the risk. That's that's success and and just contributing you know something good into the world and people. Not into the world, in, in people. Contributing positive, something good to someone. That, that's success, you know, because we can look at it so many ways. Of course, financially, we want to be set up, but I mean, it's really making a difference to if, when I pass, somebody can say, man, Emmanuel really inspired me. This guy, Emmanuel, really inspired me. And that lives on. Like a ripple. You know, it's a ripple. You know, that's what I want. That's success. What does customer service mean to you? Customer service is everything, really. I mean, it's the, really the foundation of my business. Like I said, I don't always get it right. But if you come in my shop, you'll know that I care. It's, it's really the, the foundation of my business. Judgment. Judgment. Mm, that's a great one right now. Judgment. Wow. I say it's a great word because I'm kind of unlearning. I'm in the process of my own walk with Christ where I'm trying to minimize in that area. Often as Christians, we, we, we get taught, we learn to judge, but what does that do for us? And how do we have the audacity to judge? You know, how does Emmanuel have the audacity to judge? You know, 
So it's just something that, mm, judgment, wow, it's hurtful. How about that? Hurtful, I think that's that's a good way to describe it. What has been your most difficult part about owning your business? Mm, taxes, no. Um, honestly, the, the most difficult part about owning a business is it's a, it's a huge burden to carry, you know? If I don't work, I don't eat. Right. You know, so... I think the juggling act is probably the most difficult thing, you know, because you really have to, you have to try to balance everything, you know, so that, that can be very difficult at times. It's, it's, it's the balance. What advice would you give to others wanting to go into the vintage clothing business? Touch as many pieces of old clothing as you can. You gotta, you gotta get dirty. You gotta touch, you, gotta, you need to feel them, you know, become familiar with them and don't be afraid to ask questions. Find someone that you admire learn from them, from them, even ask to work for free. What do you think is the most important part that someone must have in order to do this type of business? Humility and an appreciation for history. If you had to do it all over again, because you know there's been good days, bad mm -hmm. days, would you do it all over again? Yeah. I wish I would have started earlier, actually. Wish you would have started earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's spoken like a true entrepreneur, right? Yeah, I wish I would have started earlier. All right, well, is there anything else that you'd like to add to this interview? First, I wanna say thank you for this opportunity to share. And I just wanna encourage anyone who is on the fence about trying something, what's the worst that can happen? Just try it. Start small, but just try, because on the other side of that fear is an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to to bless someone, to shed light on somebody, to you know, to to get that fulfillment you want. So just just try it. I'd really appreciate you doing this and sharing your story. It's not always easy sharing your story. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I know we'll be seeing each other again. So For sure. there you have it, Emmanuel Edwards, owner and curator of the Goody Vault, another great Alabama entrepreneur. And thank you very much. For sure, thank you. If you want to enhance your experiences throughout the great state of Alabama, I urge you to seek out locally owned small businesses. They will certainly increase your happiness. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening.